this is Mel Janelle, and today I am coming to you with another episode of Parent Voice, where parents come together to share their experiences, their concerns, and their knowledge to help other parents who are navigating the juvenile dependency system. Today we have some very special guests that are going to be joining us. We have guests from West Virginia as well as Milwaukee, and they will be sharing some of their devastating experiences. And the title of our show today is, Could It Happen to You? And the question is, can it happen to who, who, who actually gets victimized by Child Protective Services? Could it happen to you or are you immune? Does it have to do with poverty or money or resources or influence, racial ethnicity, marital status. We're going to take a look today at the different people who have been impacted by the current human trafficking crisis that is present today in the Department of Health and Human Services that call themselves different (laughs) names or given the agency that they are in in different states. So they may be CPS, Child Protective Services in your case, or in your state, or they may be the Department of Child Protective, Child and Family Services as they are in states like uh, North Carolina and California, or they may be um, the uh, uh, so many different things. But today, a very interesting article came my way. It's it was from the New York Post and it's written by Joshua Rhett Miller and he follows a lot of stories in this regard. So today is actually this article is from July twenty second, so it's been almost a week now. And the title says Arizona Child Welfare Workers Fired for Wearing Professional Kidnapper Shirt. Professional kidnapper, kidnapper. So in Arizona, they're known as the Department of Child Saving Workers. Um, they wear pink professional kidnapper T-shirts in Prescott, Arizona. So to save you some time, I will go ahead and read this article to you here from the New York Times by Joshua Rittmiller. Multiple employees of the Arizona Department of Child Safety lost their jobs for wearing T-shirts that read professional kidnapper, according to a report. The bright pink shirts that were apparently worn during work hours led to the firing of several staffers last month, the Arizona Republic reports. Citing multiple sources in the agency's Prescott field office and a former unit supervisor. So it indeed is true because they got this information from the former unit supervisor at the Department of Child Safety Workers in Prescott, Arizona. The back of the shirt, according to photos obtained by the newspaper, read, Do you know where your children are? One former employee confirmed she was terminated for the shirt, but she refused to elaborate or identify herself. Her firing and that of other staffers in Prescott left the field office understaffed purportedly with just one investigator to look into complaints of child abuse and neglect, according to the report. The shirts were misguided attempt to make light 
of critics who blast DCS workers who remove children from their families, some who have even some who even accuse them of being kidnappers, the Arizona Republic report. Christina Sanders, a former DCS unit supervisor, said she saw a photo of the investigators posing in the shirts and contacted the agency's director, claiming it showed some of her co-workers, her former co-workers, and one photo that appeared to be taken in a parking lot outside of the Prescott's office. Several (coughs) Several staffers posed to show both sides of the shirt while one employee wore her work ID badge, according to the report. They think they're so untouchable. They don't think they can get caught, Sanders told the newspaper. And Sanders, again, is a former DCS unit supervisor. Claire Lounge, executive director of Prevent Child Abuse Arizona, said said the message on the shirt really illuminates that people in the system are biased against parents in some instances. A message seeking comment from the agency early Wednesday was not immediately returned, but a spokesman declined to comment late Monday, the Arizona Republic reports. The department does not comment on personal matters, the, post, the spokesman said in an email. So this uh, report here has been shared across several platforms, and it just shows the mentality and the casual um, attitude that many social workers have when it regards to ripping families apart. Um, it's a fashion trend that you put on a shirt. Um, being a kidnapper is just a running joke. They put their mask on, I guess, so they figure that might give them a little bit of privacy about their identity. But here they are joking about being kidnappers and um, taking a picture of it because they figure there's no repercussions. And who knows if these people will be brought back again or shuffled over to a different unit. But the point is, is that at this point in time, you can pretty much see by the attitude that um, taking people's children and ripping people's families apart is just a joke. And it's not, um, like so many parents have said before, there's no due process in these courts. So we're going to go to the phone line today, and we're going to talk with some parents who have recently experienced this crisis, and we're going to let them comment on what they have been through. Now, if you haven't been through this experience before, you can still call in, and you can discuss what some of your concerns are. For example, could this happen to you? Who do they typically target? Uh, How do you, um, you know, how do you prevent these situations from happening, especially if you are experiencing some genuine um, family issues such as domestic violence or um, some type of marital issues that may actually be exacerbating the situation and you want to um, positively um, regard the situation you have going on and do it, do what's necessary, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation where your kids could possibly be taken away from you. So what do we do in this instance? Well, we have a lot of different people that are chiming in here. 
um, the David Knight show. Is your family a victim of the massive CPS bureaucracy? 84% of parents are eventually cleared, but children are kidnapped for months or years. Dwight Mitchell from the Family Preservation Foundation explains that even though 84% of parents, which is an overwhelming majority, are eventually cleared of any wrongdoing, whether it be neglect or abuse, yet their children have still been traumatized by the situation as well as sometimes uh, parents who've done absolutely nothing, their children are adopted out for years. And we're going to hear today from one of our guests who is actually having those exact issues right now, and I will contact her. Ladies and gentlemen, for bearing with us during those break, during that break, we have a wonderful guest today, a mother who is truly a an angel, the the wonderful mother um, from Milwaukee, and we will call her Cassie today. Cassie, are, are you here with us today? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Cassie. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, sir. Kathy, we were just talking about um, an article today that we saw um, before you joined us. It was about CPS workers in Arizona, and they had on shirts. Um, I don't know if you saw that article, but the shirt said yes, professional yes. kidnappers. I've seen that pink, <laughs> yes, that pink shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't believe it. I and mean, now it's almost like they're, they're mocking us in, in our face, right? Right, like you can get away with this. How can you get away with this? And you're proud of doing this. Exactly. So they, so it's pretty obvious now that they feel like they can get away. Um, they were fired. We don't know what the the what if they'll be rehired later on, but they felt as as at least that it was just some type of joke that, and I, and apparently they get called by kidnappers a lot. Um, I wanted to ask you about your situation. What has been your recent experience? Um, I think you said that there has been some developments in your case. Could you share with us a little bit about your story and what you've been going through? My case opened up in 2018 of January um, for an issue that I was a tenant in the house, not, not knowing that the house rent was in foreclosure. I was in the process of moving out. They came in January of 2018. During the night, and mm. the house that I stayed in had mold and water damage, which okay. I called the Milwaukee Department of City. I called the city. They came out two different times, two different times, and the landlord never fixed the order that they was given, so he just 
Randolph, and I end up. So you're a renter, and so there's nothing you can really do yourself besides tell someone about it. You don't own the home No, and then process to that, like, I'm trying to fix my back, my credit, and everything like that. I'm trying to fix my credit, so therefore, it's taking forever to get fixed, and that my family accumulated evictions. I did one myself. I did one eviction myself, which I paid off. I did it on my own. But then okay. the trying to get everything off. So it didn't, it didn't clear until June of 2017. Okay. So you so filed you, you, you for bankruptcy? Yeah, I filed in bankrupt of, 20, of February of 2016, and it got discharged 2017. So the summer okay. of 2017, it got discharged. So I'm still trying to process to move and stuff. Well, yeah, it's hard to move after you have a bankruptcy. It's very difficult, and and poverty should not be a reason for taking someone's kids. What is the reason that they said, I mean, is it just the living conditions? The mold, the water damage and mold, and I'm like, that's not my fault, so y'all never charged me with no neglect, no child abuse, nothing, and y'all put this on me. And Did they try to help you with like, housing or anything like that, Cassie? No, I'm. I found this place that I'm in right now. I found this place through a friend of mine. But I've been here since February twenty twenty, February twenty eighth of twenty twenty. They didn't help me. They was forcing me. Basically, they were harassing me to move out of my auntie's house. They was harassing me to find a job. They was harassing me to. Do everything on my own. Like, if I have support from auntie, why are you trying to kick me out of the place where she stays at? Like, I don't understand that. So, she ends up leaving Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She goes to Orlando, Florida. So, that leaves me stranded. So, I end up moving with my mother. And everything just went downhill. Like, my family is completely dysfunctional. They yeah. only offer their stuff. They don't want to help nobody else. They think they would have been a mess. Like, majority of my, the people in my family, one is in the Army, one, um, two of my aunties own their own house. Um, my sister, she's a, C- a CNA. My cousin, she's a um, Fabani. And this is more, they have their careers up with their mind. And I'm trying to be, trying to go back to school to be a CNA or a registered nurse. I can go on either field, criminal justice or a registered nurse. And it's like, out of all the grandkids, I have seven babies. And I take care of them on my own without help, you know, and stuff like that. I don't wow, really that's ask impressive. somebody for help. So I finally got my high school diploma in 2015. My high school oh, wow. and I graduated. I did a semester of criminal justice 2016. <laughs> I didn't finish, but I would love to go back because I'm thinking I want. If I don't go for registered nurse, I will probably go for criminal justice for a probation. I think that that would be great, given what you've been through. You have a lot of knowledge that you could share about the criminal justice system. I would think I would do that more better, you know, law enforcement. So I'm like, okay, I know the law better than you and stuff like that. Like, you know, (laughs) I had a very rough childhood. I didn't have a rough childhood, but. I grew up without my father, and my sister, she had her father. She didn't have her father until she was, like, 
14, 13 years old, and I didn't have my, I didn't know mine from Adam to Eve. So still to this day, I have not even met the man. So, wow. and I'll be 36 this year. So it's like, I mean, you've you already had a know. very difficult time and these people, you know, who have all the resources in the world to assist you and getting to the next level that you need to be instead of using the resources to help you, they kind of use the resources to take your children and keep them away from you and still not help you get to the next level, even though they have a special relationship with you based on the law because they are in a, they're, you, you know, you're a, your children are a ward of the state, so they have to sort of they have to do what they're supposed to do. But they're not right. helping you in any way. They're just um, taking the kids, making money from from keeping them because of course you get money from having them. But none of this is actually tr- trickling down to you to help you be the mother that you want to be because you haven't done anything to right. your kids. You, you're a single mom. You're poor, you you you've experienced um, some some poverty at certain times in your life, and you don't have a lot of family support like so many of us these days. And you're looking for that support. You know, you could have used that, but you haven't been able to get it from anywhere. So it's kind of like being kicked when you're down. Right. Exactly. You pretty much hit everything. And it's just like now I have my 15 and my 16-year-old. My 16-year-old my 16 year old is here with me. My 16-year-old, she's with my mother, unfortunately. Um, and then I have the whole entire, and it's crazy, the whole entire time why this test was open, I was pregnant with my one-year-old, and they tried to take my one-year-old out of the hospital, but they couldn't because the day that they took my kids is the day that I found out I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So just imagine. Does your, did, did, I your children, just imagine. Have your children ever said that they wanted to be together as siblings? Yes. And so they, they told they, their well, attorney they, and the social worker. Yeah, when they took them, they placed the older two in two different group homes. They placed the two middle kids together, and they placed the baby, which was the five-year-old, the three-year-old at the time, they placed him with a whole different family, a whole oh, different my. race. So they, so they split up your kids, and they, took them, they put them in different places. Yes, and then when my 12-year-old ended up going with his father, the 5-year-old now ended up going with the 8-year-old, and the 8-year-old is with his father, and I was just the 5-year-old. Wow, so they, they've just pretty the much organized your family. They have yeah, they have your kids in different places with the father, with you, and group homes, and with the mother. I mean, they just... And how many kids do you have all together, Kathy? Huh? How many children do you have all together? I have seven, but I have one that's deceased. Okay. So you have eight children and one is deceased, so you have seven, seven. children. Seven. Yes, I have two girls well, and one boys. Okay. Well, well congratulations. My oldest, she would have been 20 this year. Okay. But she passed away when she was four. And that's what I think you really have. Huh? There, I said, have you, now, when was your last court hearing? Today. Okay. And what kind of hearing was that? Last court day was today. And they basically want to stop the foster parent 
to get sole custody of my five-year-old. And, and what, the what court is this in? Casey, what Milwaukee, court is this Wisconsin, in? Children's Court. Okay, the Milwaukee Children's, Children's Court in Milwaukee, court. Wisconsin. Is that the name of it? Children's Court? Huh? Is that the official name? What is the name? It's, um, hold on, let me get the, the information. Okay. Zell are Philip Juvenile Justice Center. Okay, great. That's, so that's where you're at. The, let's see, Children's Court, if I see it online right here. The commissioner was Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. And the commissioner is, what's the name again? Um, let me see. The commissioner was. Did they give you a minute order today, Casey, or anything, any type of court document? Um, since everything is done by Zoom, since everything is done, oh. done by Zoom, I have to wait till they send it in the mail. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I have well, to wait till I, they send it to me in the mail. Did they say what was the outcome of today's hearing? We have a next court hearing coming up of July, I mean, January 7th of 2021. And okay. they're going for a TPR hearing. Okay, so you must have had your dispositional hearing today. And because that is it was the preliminary hearing, preliminary hearing. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yep. So, so what, what I tell all parents to do to do their due diligence in order for them to be in a position to help themselves and also to get help from any type of paralegal or professional attorney or whoever, legal aid society, whoever that they are going to be working with, or if they're doing it by themselves, the first thing that they should do is get their um, minute order from their last court hearing, which a minute order is this. This is what I tell all parents. It is a document from the court of what happened at that hearing today. And the reason why you need that is because anybody who is trying to figure out what's going on in your case without you having to explain everything to them, they need to look at that document from the court and see who's the commissioner, what time was the hearing, what date is the hearing, when is the next hearing scheduled, when is the last hearing, who is your attorney, who's the children's attorney, who is representing the county, who is the court clerk, what is the number to the clerk, the address, what did they decide, what were the judgments, what what was what documents were submitted. So the, any, but anyone who's trying to help you, that document is going to be necessary in order for them to be able to do their job properly because they can't just write things to the court without referring to any type of, you know, official titles and things of that nature. So they need that. And then, of course, whatever, anything that they send to you in the mail, you want to automatically have that 
um, you want to keep copies of those and you want to be able to, to take a picture of your phone and send it to and upload it to anybody who wants to help you so they can see all the official court documents. And then okay. you can fill in the blanks with what you say. So I would say the first step you want to do is get that, that minute order. And then the second thing you want to do is you want to get you want to have the social worker report. Do you have would you do you have a copy of that of the latest report? Because she had to submit something to have a hearing. No, no. You're crazy. Oh yes, I do. I have a. Um, I think I emailed this to you through Messenger. Okay, great. Email it to me. Great. Thank you so much. And my other question was yeah, it was uh, that um the court order. Yeah, it was the um it was July thirteenth, and I sent it to you. That was the court order. And, um, I know that, not that, not that. Go back okay. up further. If not, I was, I'm going to send it to you. That's okay. Um, I did. It's, it's okay. June 30th. Pay depository, mm -hmm. um, order. Okay. Good. Order June 30th. Okay. I see it right now. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now that I'm looking on the um, on the computer, it's much easier than using Messenger on the phone. Well, um, so I think you know you're in a good position, Cassandra, because what I tell people is when you argue back and forth with the juvenile court, it's just like wasting your time. They're so corrupt. They're so you know they once you get into their system, they just want to take your kids no matter what you do. You're really only option. Right. Yeah, your only option when dealing with them, there's there's nothing you can say to them is to build a record so that way you can appeal. Because when you appeal, I find parents have more success in getting their children back. Because what the appeals court will say, well, this court, they did not, they violated your rights. They did not do what they're supposed to do for some reason. And, the, and one reason could be that um, in your scenario, Casey, it sounds like your children have are holding to communicate what they want. If the attorney the court not tell the court what your children want, they did not um care, not documents here, it seems like you've, uh, of course, you've completed all of the things that they've asked you to. Um, they're saying general neglect, um, and you have all the documentation that you need to support that you have done what you needed to do in order to, and, and poverty is never a, a genuine a reason to take someone's kids, and they know that. They're playing on people's parents. They're hoping that you won't know that they're doing wrong and that you won't say anything to the right people and that you'll keep playing in their little small court and you'll keep going back and forth with them. But really, you have to go over their heads. It's just like talking to a customer representative on the phone. She may have a job for you. She may have a job for you, but if you talk to the manager, you do something mm -hmm. in a situation. Talking to the manager is like talking to the appeals court because they're going to say, this judge did things wrong and we're going to... Um, dismiss whatever it is that they did in their court because they violated your rights. And the only way you can get that done is to have all of your documents together and to file an appeal and to tell 
the the higher up what's going on in that court. Okay. So what I'm going to do for you right now, and I'm going to do as much as I can since we're on the phone, but if, if I can't do everything, um, I'm going to look in Milwaukee Court of Appeals and see if I can find a notice notice of appeals form. Milwaukee Notice of Appeal form. And then that form, okay, so I already found it. Um, it kind of pops right up, and I'm going to, once I download it, I'm going to send that over to you. And then okay. you'll have to um, look, you know, after you get off the phone about how to fill this out and to let them know that you will be filing an appeal. And um, I, just, I think we should just take it from there. So you know, don't get frustrated because you're going to do what so many of everybody else is going through. And now we're all just learning that there's no hope and no justice in this court. Really, all you can do is just, it's just kind of appeal it and just, you know, keep going and then calling them out on, on the mistakes they have made because they certainly made some mistakes in your case, Kathy, and I'm so sorry that you experienced this. Because how long do a case supposed to last? Like, this case... Because, I mean, if you look into my case, like, if you really get the history of my case, people that I talk to are part of my case, they say this case is, like, real stupid. It's a weak case. Everybody's case is stupid and weak until you appeal. They're going to keep doing it to you. You know how long your case lasts? As long as they feel like they can fuck with you. They're going to just keep doing it. Until you file an appeal, Kathy, it's never going to end. I hate to tell you that. Okay. So they want to stay. They have to stay in your life as long as possible because the longer they have to manage your children, the more they get paid. So they're not trying to end the case anytime soon. They're going to try and find anything they can to bring it up and keep going because you have to appeal. That's really your only option. There's nothing you can do. There's no reason with them. You can complete all their classes and you can move into a mansion tomorrow, and they're still not going to give you your kids back unless you put the unless you call them out. For being um, for being corrupt, so okay, we will get back to you on that, and I will send you that form. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us today. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, and I will. There will be an archive of this um, interview on the radio on bbsradio.com/slash/parentsvoice. If you ever want to add it to your website or share it with anybody um, that you that you feel like you can trust to share it with. And um, we're going to go to break, and we'll follow up with you later. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. You too. Bye. Mel Janelle back with Parents Voice. We're waiting for our next guest. In the meantime, I will be sharing this 
with you some late and breaking news from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and this is written by Therese Ainsworth Henderson, and it is entitled Letter Protecting Children. So let's hear what Ms. Henderson has to say. Aaron Jones, 13, died sometime in the winter of 2017, and his body was found under rocks behind Seagull Suites off Boulder Highway. The fire pit filled with debris is thought to be near that very spot. So there's a photo behind one of the extended stay suites, Seagull Suite, 13-year-old in a fire pit, and I'm just wondering what is going on here. I am once again appalled at reading the story of yet another child sacrificed by Child Protective Services. It's hard to think of it in any other way when looking at it. We hope you appreciate our content. And the story goes like this. Well, apparently what I am learning here is that CPS was called several times in regards to this child, but they did not respond. And it's not surprising that they didn't respond to actual child abuse because they're so busy taking children from parents where there's no child abuse that when child abuse actually does occur, they don't have the resources to devote to a child who's truly in need. And we've seen this over and over again. Resources are not devoted to people and children who are truly in need. They are just devoted to their machinery of taking any children they can and people who are truly desperate in situations and children who are truly unsafe are left to fend for themselves. So they actually don't protect any children at all. They pretty much just destroy people's lives. So we're going to go to a quick break while I try and contact our next guest. And, and thank you so much. a discussion now about how EPS is handling people who are experiencing evictions and homelessness and just overall instability in their housing. So we did hear from a previous guest about her housing situation and as a tenant and a single mom, how difficult that was for her to be able to 
manage all of the things that comes with home ownership or living in a house and how that hurt her. So now we're seeing more on um, this from NCPS and Family Court Corruption, the Twitter account. It says, talk about corruption. I wasn't even supposed to be in front of Judge Shooter. I was taken from the original courtroom. I was scheduled in and put in an empty room in front of the dishonorable shooter, and none of my evidence showing violations on the property were allowed to be shown. The name shooter may be familiar to tenants like Notrilda Crest going through an eviction. The judge who issued a judgment against her was David Shooter. Um, and Marissa Shooter's husband, a relationship reported on by Y. No attorney who spoke to the editorial board has alleged alleged that Judge Shooter handled cases to benefit his family's business, and yet the relationship raises ethical questions. After all, a judgment against a tenant to pay to his wife's company raises questions. So here we are with questions about um, the loyalty of some of the judges here and do they get any benefits from the whole system? And we're going to go to another article here. Um, this is says that, hmm, well, well, well. We're going to go to America's Taken. The terrible irony in adoption system is that most parents relinquish due to poverty only to have the state, to, to the state pay adoptive parents. So, here we have a comment from uh, America's Taking, and it talks about how children are taken away from poorer families and adopted out, and these people who get money to adopt children, and um, they're nothing, I'm not saying that they're in a, that's in and of itself wrong, but they do get paid to um, adopt children so that there's money to adopt a child and why couldn't they give it to the biological parents? Oh, interesting. So here we are on, let's see, another page. Uh, Operation Exposed CPS Arizona. And what do they have here um, about new developing stories in child protective services? Well, we have information that is about people who are finally protesting. So not only are people protesting for um, Black Lives Matter, we have people protesting for all types of matters now. Um, family Lives Matter and Children's Lives Matter and so forth. And here, just one moment, something new. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So here, toddlers and very young children are marched outside the Portland Federal Courthouse. They carry signs saying, uh, let's see, let's see what they say. Oh, they seem pretty upset about the police brutality. They say, F the police and given they killed my children. Let's see what this has to say. Okay. 
okay. <laughs> we have children protesting, correct, and they have their right to protest. Okay. We have... Okay, we have several people here um, discussing Lebanon foster parent charged with deviant sexual intercourse with a child. So here we have Lebanon, and the author is Nora Shelley. Lebanon foster parent charged with deviant sexual intercourse with a child and other offenses. So this was May 6, 2020. And let's see, is this in Lebanon? Because one thing that I I like to mention is that child trafficking is not exclusive to the United States. It's a global pandemic, just like some other things that I won't mention. So um, because of its huge scale and vast vastness of the problem, uh, many people tend to think that it's that their state or their county is corrupt, and really this is all about satanic child abuse and the different reasons why people do what they do. So I'm going to read this article to you. This it was published at 12.19 p.m. on May 6, 2020, and it goes like this. A Lebanon County foster parent was arrested Wednesday and charged with involuntary deviant sexual intercourse with a child and 22 counts of sexual abuse of children related to child pornography, among other offenses. According to a news release from Lebanon County District Attorney Pierre Hess Graff, North Cornwall Township resident Scott Thomas was also charged with corruption of minors, indecent assault, and possession of drug paraphernalia. Police began investigating Thomas in November 2019 after officers received reports of a verbal altercation between Thomas and his wife, and responded to their home. While, while there, one of their foster children approached an officer and told them Thomas had allegedly molested children and had child pornography. According to the news release, the teenage foster child alleged Thomas's wife had purchased alcohol for her and other foster children allowed them to drink smoke marijuana in the home and that Scott Thomas used methamphetamine. Now, these are all allegations, so I'm not going to... Um, at all say that it's true because at this point in time there's been no trial and people are innocent until proven guilty. And I'm sure as parents who have been um, falsely accused, we all know what it means to be falsely accused and slandered. So um, I cannot comment on to the accuracy or truthfulness of this because I had a due process. I will say that um, they intervened Virginia is leading the nation against family court corruption. 
So let's hear about this. Mother in Virginia is leading the nation against family court, court corruption. Um, this is fightercries.org, and it's um, civil rights violation, robbing taxpayers, judicial abuse, tearing your nation apart. This is just a number of the different things that she has. Uh, she's been threatened to be jailed. She's talked about a lot of different things, and she, she talks about it here on her website, and she's running for um, the House of Delegates in 2021, which I think is pretty awesome because um, Kimberly Lowe, a House of Delegates candidate in Virginia, takes on a corrupt court system, which retaliates by threatening to jail her, keeping her children in foster care. Her and her children have been in the fight in fears for years because unlike many victims of the court system, she fought back. Virginia is one of only two states in which the, in which the General Assembly legislator nominate judge, unlike other states where judges are elected officials. So here she is um, talking about um, some of her issues that she is wanting to deal with. And 722 pages of corruption that she has downloaded here for anyone who's cared to read, but I'll just read the first few. There's typically no judicial oversight, so everything goes in family court. Families across the country are being ripped to shreds financially and emotionally permanently separate at the expense of your tax dollars. Robbing taxpayers more than 20 then adopt your children out for cash. In divorce court, your tax dollars are spent to keep family in court as long as possible. The courts make money by pinning families against each other, dragging out cases for years to feed the court system, and all of their actors, including the judge, their attorneys, the government, and Leiden, and their preferred health care professionals. And yes, they are preferred health care professionals because they don't want you to go to your own health care professional because that would be too easy for them. Um, it would be too easy for you to lose their case. They need for their professional to make money saying the things that they want them to say about you because they are all part of this well-oiled machine where they make money off of the dysfunction of families and even promote the dysfunction of families in order to keep lining their pockets. I will give some information about uh, <clears throat> what is necessary to fight your case. The first thing you need is to have proper documentation. Make sure you keep all of your minute orders. Request, go to your go to your local court while they still have, while you're still having hearings, perhaps on the same day, while you're already there, and maybe you're not there, given that right now they have the um, virtual courts, but go ahead and request your entire case file. Um, they have to do that at their own expense to you, and you should have it, and many times the... The other party, such as the county, will file papers without even telling you, which is wrong, but they, they do it and because they, they know no, uh, they have legal ethics. So you need to see what's all in the case file, what things have been taking place behind your back, what things are saying about you, um, because all the things that you've been receiving are, I can guarantee you, they are not the end-all, be-all of your case. And um, I also want to discuss next week's topic, which is going to be um, for the gentlemen, because I've heard so many men crying out that 
they haven't been experienced something called parental alienation. And parental alienation is where you are um, not able to have the relationship with your own seed, your own child, because of a number of reasons, um, which I don't believe anybody had a right to deny your relationship with your child. Um, even if that relationship has to be in a different setting for safety reasons, um, if there are genuine concerns, but to deny someone a complete relationship with their child, is just it's, un- it's unconstitutional and it uh, goes against the fundamental human rights of every society. So um, make sure uh, my number one, my number one, piece of information and advice that I want to leave everyone with today, regardless of where you are in your case, ask for your entire case file. If they tell you that there's a charge, then ask for a fee waiver. And at that fee waiver, just simply fill it out telling them that you don't have any resources to to do this and that you have a copy of it. Um, and so that way, when you are prepared to talk to anyone, you don't have to go and try and pull papers together from different places and try and... You know, if you already have it, that's wonderful. You don't have to do that. If you've been saving everything or if you've already been doing um, everything along the way to get what you need, then you're in a great position. But if you don't have it, make sure you get them because if anything is more for you, they have to refer to the court transcript, to the court report, to the social worker's report, to the minute order, to whatever documents are on file as official. They can't refer to official documents. Um, if anything was submitted into evidence, they have to be able to refer to that. Those are all the things you want to, to build your records when you appeal. Those mistakes you make, you'll be able to address them in a formal and adequate tone. So that is all for today. I want to thank everyone for um, participating. And if you have any questions, I'll see you in August the 11 to 10 at 3 p.m.